Hello, I'm Dan Wesley, and I'll start at the beginning of my journey. I was born in a small Nebraska town, less than 300 people, 99% white, but only because two people marked other. We had both religions in town, Catholic and Lutheran. We were Catholic, and most of the rest of the town was Lutheran. My best friends growing up were the sons of the Lutheran pastor in town, and we were all band kids in school. We would call each other heathens between performing instrumental numbers at each other's churches. My parents were very supportive, but the lesson I took away from my church was that we were all broken to start with, and that we must work relentlessly to fix ourselves. As a fun side fact, I was literally born broken. I spent the first two weeks of my life with my arm wrapped around me because I broke it during birth. I was a big baby. And throughout my childhood, forgiveness existed, but only for those who worked to correct what they had done wrong, whether they had done it through action or through omission. I did all the religious Catholic boy things. I was an altar boy. I went on retreats. I helped teach Sunday school. I even attended a protest of a Planned Parenthood clinic. That last one was partly because a girl I liked asked me to go, and I'm still making up for that with donations. <laughs> as a teenager, I took Thomas the Apostle as my confirmation name. I wanted to believe, but I also wanted to be sure I was not doing the wrong thing. And the day before my senior year of high school, my friends from school picked me up to go see a movie in town as one last thing to go to do before getting back to the grind. As we left my hometown, our car moved over to the passing lane to go by a bicyclist going the same direction on our shoulder. The cyclist drifted over into the passing lane just as we approached. Everything got quiet after that. I remember my three friends running to the nearest house to see if they could get help. I ran alone to the cyclist to try and help. I stood there and I didn't know what to do next. I was so lost I didn't even recognize him as the kid who lived two doors down from me in a town of 300 people. I've been told repeatedly that there was nothing I could do. But deep down, I knew that there was now not any way to be sure. Because if I had done something wrong, I needed to fix it. By the end of the next year, I had enlisted in the Air Force, went to class all day, and spent my off time getting an EMT certification. I did ambulance ride-alongs, ER shadows, and stopped going to church because no matter how much I tried, I could not make it make sense. At my first duty station, now after 9-11, I was unimpressed by the vintage safety video I had to watch when I arrived, so I volunteered to teach the unit first aid classes that were required for new airmen and for those about to deploy. I continued teaching that course at each of my assignments for the next six years. In South Dakota, I worked air traffic all day and spent my off time with Pennington County Search and Rescue and responded to calls ranging from vehicle extrication to missing persons in, black, in the Black Hills to working on wildland fires. But none of it fixed my mistakes. I don't regret the time that I spent on medical activities, but it was never going to be my vocation. And not for lack of trying, I scored higher than anyone else in my EMT class, even while attending military training courses all day, every day. But real life is very different from staged tests. In South Dakota, I lived four blocks away from the barn, and I was often the first one there for calls when I wasn't at work. 
I discovered I was uncomfortable with heights. I get queasy when I see people in pain, and I drive slow. But I think my biggest holdup was that I think of things in terms of correct and incorrect answers. And in emergency medicine, you often can't know what was the correct choice until it was already too late. Perfection is the enemy of progress. My day job at that point was air traffic control. The difference was that in air traffic, everything you need to know is right there. Airspeed, altitude, heading, aircraft type, origin, destination. Everybody has different moves available, so it's like chess, but with a shorter timer. Not only that, but because pilots do what you tell them, you're playing both sides of the board. It wasn't easy, but it was manageable. And unlike in church or medicine, I did not need forgiveness for sins I could not avoid committing. I separated from the Air Force, attended school, moved to Virginia, and married the girl that used to drive me to that used to drive me to my ENT classes back in California when it was raining. We had a girl, Ada, and I worked all day and spent my off time being a dad. I studied, sought advice from others, and while I know I've made mistakes, we felt pretty good about being parents. Two years in, I was confident that we had the parenting thing figured out. And along came Margaret. She quickly showed me how little I understood about the whole thing. On day two, we discovered that Margaret needed surgery. I walked into the NICU, and the room was lined with babies in various states of cuddly pajamas and intubation, like it was some kind of Martha Stewart matrix. I remember silently judging the other parents for me being the only one there. By the end of the night, I realized that my wife was in another hospital and just had her baby carted away from her. And our two-year-old was at home with a babysitter, wondering why she was no longer allowed to see her parents or her new baby sister. I needed to choose one of three, three places to be, and each answer was wrong or at least not as right as I needed it to be. And just like the other parents, I did what I thought was right, based on the situation at hand. And I finally understood that their and my actions were worthwhile, whether or not they were correct. Two years later, we planned out a road trip to Texas to visit my sister-in-law, then on up to Nebraska to visit my family, and then back to Virginia, because apparently we were insane. <laughs> <sighs> Sheila said that we had been invited to our sister's Unitarian church while we were there, and I'm sure I rolled my eyes like I needed another church telling me I'm not quite good enough to win their imaginary prize. We attended a service, and they had me at inherent worth and dignity. The concept was refreshing that others were working through things and can be allowed to do so without our judgment and condemnation. The next weekend, we were at my old church in Nebraska. The sermon was essentially a half an hour of victim blaming in defense of priests accused of child molestation. 
I believe the passage about pointing out the speck in your brother's eye with the plank in your own was used, and if not, that was the tone. Also in sharp contrast to the UU church visit was the complete absence of even the acknowledgement of what was going on in Ferguson, which dominated international headlines at the time. Shortly after we returned home, we started attending services here, and we help out however we can. I don't know how my life would have been different had the people in role model positions in my life professed an inherent worth and dignity of every person, but that's okay. They and I made the decisions we could with what we knew at the time. And my hope is that I find out how our girls grow in the light of a reciprocated respect for the people around them. Thank you.